Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Good morning, everyone. You are listening to Red Sea Roundup, and I am your host for today, Pam Marvin. I am very excited to be here on this beautiful day outside. You know, we're living in crazy times, and so I don't know about you, but it makes me appreciate just the smallest of beauties of God's creation because it's a reminder that He's right here next to us. So the blue sky and the crisp, cool air, especially in Texas, is much welcome. And here in the studio, with me are Thaddeus. Good morning, Thaddeus. Good morning, Pam. Great morning. to see you. Oh, it's good to be here. And Anna. Howdy. Good morning. Good morning. It's nice to have you. That's Lovely Anna Villalobos, our intrepid St. Mary's student intern. That's awesome. That's me. Thank you. And I love it. I love it. I love the social media aspect that you've been bringing to it. And she has been doing a great job, yeah. giving us a presence on Instagram as well. Mm-hmm. So. I know Kudos. I've been working really hard to do, you know, the shoulder to shoulder. Shout out for that. Uh, Megan and I have a yeah. new podcast that airs every or drops, I guess they say in the vernacular, every Friday. And um, you can find that reposted. It is released to the public. Yes, that's a good way to say it. Uh, we have so much fun doing it. As a matter of fact, she's coming into town tomorrow. And we're going to do another series. So we're really looking forward to that. Yeah, and that's a great, mentioning Megan is a great segue to talking about uh, looking back on the benefit dinner that was last uh, last Thursday. She was. was our MC. She did a fantastic job. She did. Yes. Praise be. I love being around that woman, obviously. <laughs> um, I want to say thank you to everyone who's listening and was in attendance that day or gave, uh, gave on that day, maybe was watching the live stream. Also, again, a thank you earlier in October to our Wonderful listeners in Waco who attended the Waco Benefit Dinner and gave on that day. Those were two outstanding events, very successful. Um, I I know that Dr. Michael Foley, our speaker, he uh, complimented us on a number of occasions with uh, just how how impressed he was with the event that we put on, how much he enjoyed meeting our listeners, uh, how how happy he was with how many books were purchased. Yeah. He was so delightful. <laughs> yes. He's beautiful. He, wife and his, too. he and Alexandra mm-hmm. were, are just wonderful. So we are hoping that that's going to just be the beginning of a great friendship and collaboration with, uh, with Michael Foley and Red Sea Catholic radio. So stay tuned for, uh, future events with, uh, Dr. Foley. I hope so. Yeah. It was so delightful. It was so nice to go home and share with my son and then some friends. Not too long, too much later, um, the friends were together again. And so we had to have a very robust toast. And uh, I didn't know that's where more the merrier came from was mm. a, about, you know, be a gathering and drinking together like that. It was the more the merrier. Yeah, that's right. So any other any other takeaways from the from the evening for you, Pam? Any other takeaways? Um, you know, it was so amazing and wonderful to be together as this this very diverse, um, let's say, mm, audience um, of our our Catholicness, of the listeners, you know, the age range, the colors of our skin, all of it. We all are coming together 
listening on the radio because of what we are the body of Christ. And we learn so much through Catholic radio and it enriches us beyond measure. You know, (laughs) some people I said the other day, this is this is true. It's true story about I said, you know, I've really buckled down on the five first Saturday devotions to the Blessed Mother Mm -hmm. because I heard on Catholic radio you could actually do the Saturday vigil, which would count for a first Saturday, which I didn't know that. And I was like, I learned that through Catholic Radio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a wonderful devotion from Fatima that was beautiful to come. So that was amazing. Um, I loved how different the tables were decorated with the different uh, glasses, you mm-hmm. know, like th- that you would drink with. So that was really, that was fun. Um, I had good friends at the table that I just really enjoy. Um, and just seeing so many people there, I couldn't get to everyone I wanted to see. But, I, you know, still there being in awe of Megan, too, because I just obviously appreciate appreciate her beyond measure and in all of her gifts and talents and yeah i thought it was really wonderful i, I really liked it the brazos center too that was really nice good good i'm glad that uh, you enjoyed the the time at the brazos center we were really uh very pleased with how the brazos center accommodated us on kind of kind of short notice that we had to contact them that we weren't going to be able to stay at uh, st thomas aquinas this year with the the restrictions in place because of COVID and they were really accommodating in, um, you know, giving us a larger venue where we could spread out and, and still get pretty close to the numbers mm-hmm. that we've been able to do in the, in the past. Um, but it was really gratifying to me that father Albert from St. Thomas gave, gave the opening prayer and he had such nice words to say about how much he loves what we do and supports what we do. And I loved that St. Thomas was still there in kind of a a lead position because they have Mm -hmm. been very, very accommodating to us over the years. And we've done some great things with them too. Right. It was so So, good to see Father Jason and Father Andrew from St. Joseph. They were there, you know, I I invited them to be at my table, but they're like, oh no, we've already, we're already planning to go with the St. Joseph one. I'm like, good. You know, because I had St. Excuse me. I'm sainting you already, Father Jason, but had Father Jason on not too long ago. And so he's, I think he's a fan of the radio. So we'll see. Great. Great to hear. And and like you, I was not able to get around and speak to everyone, um, but Boy, just a great turnout we had from young to old was there. Mm. I mean, we had a table full of focus missionaries from St. Mary's in the very front. And that was that was really awesome to, to see their presence there. And then we had just some of our um, most wise and veteran listeners uh, sprinkled throughout. And then people all in between, people with young families, people with uh, children, in you know mm-hmm. teenage and college years, and so it was it was very very diverse in that regard. Right, sure. I love, but seeing all united by our Catholic faith. Exactly, I love seeing my friends at Forty Days for Life, the Reynosos, and yes. their yes. amazing children that are so extraordinarily be- well behaved. And they and, were very gussied up. Yes, always, and I just love getting to see them like that and out yeah. and about. Just so many people. So quickly before we go to um, Saint of the Day, I don't want to forget that. Um, but I also want to also thank everyone that participated and gave to support the radio station on Brazos Valley Gives, yes. which was October 27th. That was an online giving event for all nonprofits in the Brazos Valley. Well, yesterday they had their kind of celebration thank you event uh, at the American Pavilion at Veterans Park, and they give away prizes for 
um, certain hours during the day for who had the most donations or who had the most donors, et cetera. And then they have, uh, so we won one of those hours. We were the recipient of the $1,000 prize for winning the four to 5 PM hour. So everyone that gave during four to 5 PM, thank you, especially because you helped us win an extra thousand dollars for Red Sea Catholic radio. And then at the end of the event yesterday, they had a couple of what they call golden tickets, um, a nod to the uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory novels, $2,500 prize. We won one of those drawing, won a $2,500 golden ticket yesterday. Yay. So $3,500 in additional money to Red Sea Catholic Radio because of all of you who gave on Brazos Valley Gives on October 27th. So God bless you. Thank you so much for all of your support. Man, we have been showered with support from all of you in this last two months. It's really been uh, really been humbling. Yeah, well, I want to do a little tease about who's coming up in the next segment. Yeah, absolutely. Because we haven't said that either yet. I have, um, I made a friend on Twitter. I'm so excited. <laughs> I I am on there too much, probably watching all the news and everything that kind of in real time is what the Twitter does for me. But as you can imagine, I follow several Catholic outlets. And this particular one is Foot Soldier for Christ at Toops family. And he certainly is. He has been such a just a wellspring of hope and light and, you know, just speaking of, of the saints and many of their quotes. And he just constantly tweets out these just encouraging notes um, from the saints. And he does some blogging as well. So his name is Jay Toops and he will be follow. He will be uh, coming up after this break, um, just to talk to us a little about Hope in the Storm, which he's actually written a book on as well. So we're going to talk about hope and family and living in today's times according to the way the saints would want us to live. And speaking of the saints and how they want us to live, why don't you talk to us about today's saint, St. Rose Philippine Duchesne. Yeah. Well, I um, was reading her stuff this morning. I thought, oh, that just sounds so beautiful how she was such a... I don't know if you could say just kind of a, a a spiritual martyr in a way. Let me get back over there. I can't believe it's already the 19th of November, 2020. Woohoo! We're winding down a little bit. Okay. She was um, Scottish, right? Judging by that last name. You know, Pam. I, I lost my place, dear. I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah. No, that was a really poor joke because actually St. Rose Philippine Duchenne was a French sister, I believe, religious. Yes. And you um, you said that you're attracted to her particularly because of her, she had a devotion to the Sacred Heart. Before mm-hmm. we talk about her life, tell us about what the Sacred Heart devotion is. Why don't we start there? Okay. Sacred Heart devotion is with um, St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, mm-hmm. who had the visions of Christ coming to her and it's very closely tied to divine mercy. That's another reason I love it. Those links those two inherently together. Sacred Heart coming first about worshiping the sacred heart of Jesus. While it was a very human heart, it was a divine heart. And I think that when we really concentrate and really pray to Jesus about wanting to know him better, to be more like him, if we contemplate that sacred heart, that's just so beautiful. Yeah, you know, I have her. So she, um, she eleven years passed before she was able to even join the Society of the Sacred Heart in Amiens. I guess that's French. Amiens. Amiens. 
um, at the age of 49. Oh my. So she joined a religious order late in life. Well, wait, no, she was saying she made, she had been in that, but then she made the arduous journey to St. Charles, Missouri at 49 back in that day. And then um, where her first house was, the order was an unheated hut. It was a school for girls that were established despite a dearth of funds. What does a dearth of funds mean? Lack. Lack. I would think lack of funds makes sense. Um, Rose's missionary labors on the frontier were capped with a decade of infirmity and almost continual prayer. A contemporary said she was the St. Francis of Assisi of the society. Mm. Everything in and about her was stamped with the seal of the crucified life. Mm. I just thought that was so applicable about what we're going through today. I mean, not only was it difficult, I mean, it was like physically arduous, you know, weather, you know, oh, how comfortable we are these days. Thaddeus, I often say that we are in a time of um, spiritual poverty, obviously, but the poverty of prosperity where we're so comfortable and we have a tendency to whine a little bit. And speaking of that, because we're so tending to complain a little bit too much these days, because there's a lot to, you know, not to be unhappy about, of course. But um, several years ago at a retreat, and this is something I did with my kids and taught them because I was at a retreat, one of my silent retreats, and the uh, the priest was a rather jovial priest, really love him, Father Scott Riley, and he would say, okay, you guys know where complaining comes from. And we're all like, no, Father, where's complaining come from? And in his deep voice, he says, from the bowels of hell. Mm. And so <laughs> I would always tease my kids. I'm like, you know where that comes from. And so you could see the seven-year-old going from the bowels of hell. <laughs> <laughs> and so we know, you know, and so whenever they started to complain, we'll say, hey, where's that Where's that complaining coming from? And the kids I were, like it. I like yeah. it. I think I'm going to work that into my routine. Oh, it was, yeah. So I don't, I don't really have a lot of complainers in my house right now. And I don't know if it's because of that or wasn't by their nature or whatnot, but uh, we could all use the lessons of thinking about things could be worse. We think, oh, things are so bad. You know, yeah. we have our health, our family. And to, and to circle back to to something that Michael Foley talked about at the benefit dinner, you know, he made that point of drinking for gratitude mm-hmm. and that that notion that people who are gracious and thankful are happy and that those who are happy are grateful and live a life of Thanksgiving. So as we approach Thanksgiving, let's, Mm -hmm. let's, let's try to live lives of of gratitude and always, you know, take that glass half full approach, not glass half empty approach. Right. Yeah. Yep. Gratitude. When you talk about that, we'll be talking about hope. We're going to talk about gratitude and thanks right after the break. Welcome back. You are listening to KEDC, and this is Red Sea Roundup. I am your host today, Pam Marvin, and my guest today is Jay Toops, who tweets at the Twitter handle Foot Soldier for Christ, excuse me, Foot Soldier for Christ at Toops Family. So welcome, Jay. Welcome. Thank you, Pam. I'm excited today. 
I am so excited to actually get to talk to you. I uh, want to tell our listeners, I've just really reaped the benefit of his positive and motivational saint talk and sometimes hard-hitting truth that um, he's putting out there in the Twitter sphere. I think you're doing a great job. And so um, if... I, let me back up just a second to say one of the things that stood out to me the most when I was reading your um, your little biography there, Jay, because it is that you're a grandfather. And I was like, oh, I am a grandmother for the first time. You know, he's only about mm, 20 months old now. So um, that was the one thing that stood out to me. I'm like, oh, I can so appreciate the, the grandfatherliness. Well, the, the the grandkids certainly change your outlook on life, don't they? Oh, so much. Such a gift, you know, just such a gift. But tell me I how told, you... I told my wife the other day that I went to go visit them because I was in Houston for the day and my grandkids live in Houston. I went to go visit them and it was so much, it was so, just gave me so much joy just to see them come running, you know? I mean, I think every dad loves to see their kids come running to them. And when the grandkids came running to see me, it was just, you know, it just, it fills your heart. Oh, that's so good. So I guess my first question for you today is going to be, how did you get like started into um, getting on Twitter like that? And, and you tweet so profusely. Do you have like, how do you, how do you manage that and your business and be a husband and father, grandfather? <laughs> well, it, it's a balance. Um, <laughs> I started out in that world because um, really from uh, Pope Benedict, at one point he had said, you know, if there's a lot going on on the Internet sphere. And if we don't engage as Christians, then we give all that over to the darkness. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's not his exact words. I'm paraphrasing. And so I began just kind of and it was really interesting at the start. What I mean, it really forced me at that point, And it's probably been I've been on the Twitter sphere and I have a blog and um, those kind of things now for almost 15 years. Well, no, let me say that for about 13 years. Oh. Um, and the dynamics of it have significantly changed. And, you know, for my blog and for some of my tweets, I use um, some, uh, I use a service to make sure that they're automatically loaded and out there. So I, I had found for a while that it, I didn't want it to interfere with my family life or my business life. And so I set up a, a through social, a, a thing called social jukebox where it automatically sends certain tweets out and I, I go in and change them from time to time. And that way it, it still, I think has impact and helps bring faith to people, mm-hmm. uh, but it doesn't redirect my primary focus, which is of course my family and any ministries I'm doing in my church parish and um, also uh, my work. Yeah, it's so beautiful. I see just a, a fullness of the apostle in you between all of these things that you do. It's very inspiring. So it brings me lots of hope and fills me with a lot of joy just to actually get to talk to you today. So as I was doing a little research on you and figuring out uh, what you're all about, I saw that you wrote a book. I did. That was about five years ago that I wrote the book. Um, I had just come off of, for our family, which was a big storm. I'd had um, a, um, a boiling injury where I had burned my legs from the knees down with second and third degree burns mm. um, at a family event. We were boiling crawfish and somebody knocked the pot of boiling crawfish water over on me. And um, so in that downtime, you know, and a lot of praying, a lot of downtime, um, I, felt the inspiration and move from the Holy Spirit to um, write the book, you know, called The Storm, A Time of Mercy, Choices, and Hope. 
um, and then shortly thereafter was able to get it published. That's awesome. So um, hope is going to be our main theme here. I want to do hope in the culture, hope in the family. Um, I want to hear like maybe one of your favorite stories from your book. I think um, you have other storms that you talked about as well. Well, I think, you know, when we talked about this the other day, I've really been praying about it and thinking about it. And I think one of the one of my favorite stories has to do with Hurricane Katrina. You know, we lived in New Orleans at the time of Hurricane Katrina. Um, and because of my business, we were fortunate enough to I was fortunate enough to have business lined up in Lafayette, Louisiana, which is where we live now. Um, the week of Hurricane Katrina. So we evacuated Hurricane Katrina and stayed and. The hurricane hit on a Monday. By Tuesday morning, we had gotten word that we weren't going to be able to come home. It probably was going to be six weeks or more not be able to come home. Then we got word that of the total destruction. Um, and I think our instant reaction to that was to fall into despair. Mm. Um, but my reaction at that point was purely through a movement of the Holy Spirit. I promise you it was purely through the movement of the Holy Spirit. I laid in bed one one night listening to my children. I have a couple that talk in their sleep. I have one who's a singer and she sings in her sleep. I have another one who's a snorer. Of course, so when you're in a one room, um, one room hotel with five small children and your wife, you don't sleep much. But I had this overwhelming sense of peace and hope that God was about to change our lives for the better. Mm. Um, And the backstory of that is my wife's grandmother who had since passed away when we made the decision to move to Lafayette, grabbed me one day and said, you know, I've been praying for this for you for a very long time because our our life was very difficult at that point. We had some family dynamics going on in the, in the city where we lived and I was traveling 80% of the time. We'll move to Lafayette, just changed our lives. We moved into a great church parish. We had a, a beautiful, wonderful holy priest who has since passed away that took us under our wings and gave us tremendous amount of spiritual direction and, and really realigned our lives in a way that it put us much more active in our ministry and in, in, in serving God in a totally different way than we had before. But I think it was interesting in that storm that God chose to change everything for us, and we were able to find peace because we found hope in Him. And one story I tell off of that is that Tuesday morning when we had this feeling that everything was gone, and it didn't end up being, we, we our house didn't get destroyed, but my business was messed up, and I lost all my customers, and we had, so there was a lot of going on. Um, the first thing we said that next morning, which was a Tuesday morning, my wife had gone to daily mass and she said, what are we going to do? I said, well, the only thing I know to do is go to the church. She said, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. I said, well, we're going to go to the church down the street. We're going to go to the Catholic church. We're going to go knock on the door and say, you need to help us find a place to live. And we need a place for our school, a school for our kids. And they did that. Wow. I mean, they provided for us. They set us up with a place to live, got us our children in the school, the Catholic school, which was right there. We had people come knock on the door. They provided us food and clothes and more than we could have ever needed at that time. And it was, it's amazing how when you pray and you really, really follow where you believe, you know, through prayer, where God wants you, he provides us everything he needs. He provides us everything we need and we don't have to worry. Right. You know, uh, Padre Pio says, 
you know, don't worry. You know, that's one of his great quotes is not to worry because worry is not from God. So that was really a great lesson for us in giving completely letting go and not worrying. It, it was an amazing event in our lives. And we tell people it was often, it was the most, one of the most impactful things that ever happened to us and just giving it all over to him. And, you know, my daughter met her husband. We have three grandkids now. I have a, a one daughter who has entered religious life and is in a monastery in Italy as a result. And none of that would have happened if we had held on to our past and not given ourselves over to God and say, okay, we, we have peace about this. We know this is where you want us to go. And then jumping and leaping. So beautiful. And so, so what I'm really hearing, too, is I think it's part of our all of our journey is that increasing in trust in the Lord when things look bad and they don't look very good, that saying, Lord, I know that you are in the middle of this and I trust in you. Um, I heard from a Catholic speaker several years ago that his definition, if I take it for what it's worth, is that the definition of original sin is the losing the trust in God, right? So it's our journey back to him is restoring that complete trust. And that's what I'm hearing from you, Jay. That that's exactly, were you already there or was this episode something that really kind of launched you closer to it, to that, that trust well, in think, God? I think, uh, I honestly think that I was not 100% where I was, but that that, that was a major shift. Mm-hmm. I had had my conversion many, many years earlier. Um, but it was one of those things where God kind of forced my hand and said, if you really do trust me, you're going to have to let go right. and trust that I'm going to take care of you. You know, but as a dad, that's a hard thing to do because we're respons- feel responsible. I feel responsible for supporting my family. I feel responsible for tr- protecting my family. I feel responsible for the guidance of them. And to just take that leap and let go is like jumping off into the abyss. Mm. But then you know that when you fall, you're falling into the, to the hands of the Father, and He's going to catch you if you trust Him. And we have to. It's, it's a tough thing to do. I mean, it really is. It is. But it's what we have to do. Exactly right. So it's that kind of hope. And so would you say that that's where some of your hopefulness comes from, that comes across on your Twitter is from this and I guess other instances where you've learned to trust so well? So... Um, I guess I'm tying the trust and hope together. Would you say that's pretty accurate? Yeah, I think so. I think um, one of the things, despite, you know, some struggles in childhood, and we all have struggles, we all have our crosses, I have found in my own personal reflection is God always, always puts somebody in our path who's going to be willing to help us. And they're always from God. I mean, it's just for me, it has always, I've always been blessed where now I haven't always watched or paid attention to who he put in my path. Mm -hmm. But every time there's a struggle, there is somebody there that has lifted us up or lifted me up. And it's always been from God. It's it's amazing to see as you, you know, now I'm almost 60. I'll reflect back on those lives. And you're at the point where you start reflecting that he does provide. And so, um, an event like that really creates such clarity. Right. It's kind of like when we trust him with our finances too, you know, um, one of those, one of those little insights I got several years <laughs> That's ago. Hard too, That's <laughs> hard because, you know, I definitely thought is 
it was all about how hard you worked and how good a saver you were and just all of those things. I was convinced of that for years and years until I was in the Adoration Chapel and I read a little uh, booklet on how to never worry about money again. Now, I can't say that I haven't ever worried about it again, but uh, the heart of it was, you know, it's God's money and he's going to do with it as he sees fit and you have to trust him with it. And I thought that was really beautiful, too. And he does. He, he takes care of you one way or the other. It may not always be the thing that we desire personally, but it is what's best for our salvation and best for our family's salvation. That's I think so we have to we have to trust that. That's so true. So um, any practical tips for living hope? Like we know right now, and you and I have seen you um, blog about it as well, is we're living in very difficult and divided times. And I just want to breathe some hope and love into our our listeners um, about the times that we're living in. And I thought you'd be a really good person to give us some kind of little more little nuggets and tips on how to keep focused on Christ and live that hope each day. You have any things that you do you want to share with us? Sure, sure. I, I'd be glad. I, I will tell you. I mean, to be honest, that um, mine nature, my natural nature, is sometimes to be somewhat um, curmudgingly. So <laughs> I have to really work on focusing on hope and joy in my life. That is, so it, it's it's something that I have to actively do. And um, my, our good friend, uh, Monsignor Mouton, who has since passed away, was really helpful with that. And one of the things he taught me was to, to he was always telling me, be generous be generous of your time for others, be generous of your time for your family, be generous of your whatever wealth or money that you have, be generous and God will be will, will provide the rest. And I have found through generosity, through that active giving, active giving time, um, that brings hope and it brings joy because you see it in other people's face, you know, when you're able to give your time and you give your effort and you focus on that. So that's one um, the other thing is um, stay close to the sacraments, you know, especially today. And these, these truly are divided in a lot of ways in dark times. But the closer we are to the sacraments, it allows us to be that pinpoint of light in dark times that draws people and people are drawn to that light. So being able to get to mass, you know, where, where it's available, if it's not available, then we should be watching it on, on, on virtual um, so the Eucharist confession, and if your parish has adoration or you can find an adoration chapel, um, those you know, um, John Paul the Great went to confession every week, if not more often. If if he as a great saint had to go to confession every week, I probably should be there at least twice a day. <laughs> you know what I mean? So for sure, um, confession is really a great thing for me. And then prayer time. I mean, dedicated, focused. You know, I, I try to get up in the morning, and this isn't—I'm—I'm I'm not any special about this, but I try to get up early every morning before everybody gets up and spend time in prayer and reading and read the gospel and do some contemplation and reflection on the gospel on how it, it affects my life. Um, and then if you can get to daily mass when you can, I travel a lot, so I can't always do that. But my wife, if you're married, make sure that you're—if you can get your spouse to go to daily mass or to mass with you—that I think that's another thing that. Um, really helps that. Um, and then uh, the last thing I would tell you on, on just activities that for us as our family that have given us hope is 
we've developed our own personal ministry and how we're involved in our parish. And we are, um, because I have a daughter who is in religious life and she's in a monastery, she's contemplative. Um, we felt called to really get very involved in helping with vocations and young people in our parish, um, in our diocese who believe they have a call to religious life. And so that for us is really, I mean, it's truly given us a great sense of hope because you see there is a movement in the church. I believe, I really solidly believe there's a movement in the church going of young people who are really seeking. They see that darkness that surrounds us and they're seeking to do God's will because they are drawn to that light. Mm. So the more you can surround yourself with people like that, the greater our hope grows in our heart and and then we can bring that hope to other people as well. Absolutely. That sounds great. I have a couple of mine that I do. Uh, it's a little bit more difficult in these day and times, but uh, I know that um, I read a study one time that said for healthy, a healthy amount of hugs to have each day is 12, a minimum of 12. And I know, <laughs> I know that's hard during this time, but, you know, with your family members, there's something that actually goes on with um, like body chemistry that um, releases more endorphins that make you happier and feel better, not to mention just exercise in general, but hugs. So I give out lots of hugs at, at work as long as people actually want them. You know, some people are still <laughs> trying to I'm stay away. Ah, such people. a big... Mm-hmm. I tell, I'm a hugger, so you're just going to have to get used to me hugging. Yeah, in the same <laughs> way. So we'll have a big hug one day if the Lord blesses us with a meeting. And the other one is right now, um, more important than ever, are smiles. You know, Mother Teresa said that is one of the greatest little gifts of gratitude. I'm, I'm not saying it correctly, but she said that is one of the best gifts that you can give another person is a smile. Um, and also there is also physiological stuff that goes on in your brain when you smile. So when I'm having a bad day, I fake a smile just to myself in the car on the way to work <laughs> because I want to feel better, you know, get my nice D3 sunshine, folks. That's so important right now as well. On a beautiful day like it is in College Station, get outside uh, or in Central Texas. Yeah, we got to fake it till we make it and uh, smile, get some sunshine. These are some real physical things that you can do. Um, we talked about, Jay's been talking about these beautiful spiritual things, which is absolutely just right up my alley. Uh, spiritual reading, I think you mentioned that too, is one of my favorites. But then you know, there's another thing is optimism. To be a person of the Gospels, we have to be optimistic because why? We know Christ is on the throne and we know he knows how the story ends, right? He does. He is in control. And I think once we understand that, even in these things that we're seeing today, it all, all, he's allowing all these things to happen, you know, either through his permissive will or his direct will for our own salvation so that we, we turn to him. And that's because he loves us. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, believe me, I, I don't feel worthy of his love. My, my past life does not def- definitely show that um, I had have in any way am worthy of his love. But I know in the depth of my soul that he loves me in spite of my flaws or probably as a result of my flaws in a lot of cases. Um, he loves that humanity, you know, the human piece of us. And, and I, I really particularly enjoy getting to know people and their own humanity flaws, scars, and beautiful things and all, because it's what makes us who we are, that that he has designed us and built us 
to be who we are in this day and time. Right. I've heard the phrase, uh, if we were perfect, we wouldn't have needed a Savior. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> so true. But, you know, as you were talking, um, it stuck out to me. If you could describe for us one of those moments where you felt utterly and deeply, completely loved by the Lord, um, I think that's so important to share our stories like that on the airwaves, because maybe not everyone's had that experience yet. Uh, but I want to encourage our listeners, if you've not yet had an experience like that, to to tell Jesus that you desire that experience, to feel the depth of the Father's love. And it's, it is so convicting. Look at Jay's life, my brothers and sisters, what he's done with it. He's felt deeply loved and um, I feel a kindred spirit because then there's not enough that we can do to try and give Christ's love back to the world. There's just not enough that we can do, but we, we're trying, aren't we, Jay? We're trying. You know, um, I think it's Mother Teresa who said, you know, he doesn't, ex- and again, I'm paraphrasing it, but you know, he doesn't expect us to be perfect at what we do. He just wants the effort. Mm-hmm. And he'll do the rest. And the Divine Mercy, I love the Divine Mercy Chaplet. One of the things in St. Faustina's, um, Faustina's diary, he says, you know, if you just make the least motion toward him and he will do the rest. Mm. That's so true. I mean, that's that, isn't that what prayer is like, too? Like, we have to go to him. He requires that we go to him. Um, to be able to do something for us. It's almost like even with our children as parents, we know that we could tie their shoe for them, but sometimes, you know, we have to sit back and watch them struggle. Um, But we're happy to help whenever they ask for it. They figure it out. That moment, tell me, I'd love to hear a story about one of those times or moments uh, where you knew and felt deeply loved by the Father. I think probably I would reflect on a more recent moment. Is that, that's probably the best I mean, there's been several moments, many moments in my life where I have felt that deep, profound. But um, over Labor Day weekend this year, amidst all the COVID, amidst everything going on in the world, and um, I was really blessed to be able to participate in um, an Ignatian retreat, the spiritual exercises. Yes. I've been done many, many retreats and done silent retreats. And so... We and a buddy of mine went to Washington, D.C. to do the Ignatius retreat with my daughter's religious order. And normally it would be 20 people there. We got there and it was two of us to have a one-on-one Ignatian retreat um, with this beautiful young priest. And so it was like having four days of um, personalized spiritual direction. But the moment of love came and I had done general confessions before, but because of this one-on-one, four-day spiritual direction, I was able to do a general confession, which was the single most thorough confession of my life. And um, when I was complete, when it was complete, it was this such great sense of knowing how profound Christ's love is for me through the forgiveness that he gives us in spite of everything, in spite of, every, you know, 59 years of life, um, there was this total forgiveness and have this beautiful, young, smiling, happy priest who was a gentle, as gentle a soul that you can get, have in this confession opportunity. Um, it, it was just, it was just a beautiful moment. It was something, even to this day, I mean, it were months later that I still carry that with, with me. Um, 
having done that action of total self-giving of myself and unloading literally 59 years of extraordinary information for this priest who just loves me. You know what I mean? Just that love mm-hmm. that he gave from Christ through him in in the forgiveness of confessional was just a beautiful right. moment. Like the absolution, it's like you can feel it. It's just so palpable. Well, I want to back really up just a second and, and just kind of review with our listeners what a general confession actually is. Some of our listeners may not know what that is. Um, it is a great grace. I've had the opportunity as well to um, have a general confession. And again, very healing. It's like you said in this instance. But why don't you just kind of tell our listeners and encourage them to do a general confession, but explain a little more what it is. Sure. So a general confession, um, it's, it's when you go to the confessional. Um, and so in our case, what we did is we did probably about a day and a half of preparation of walking through our whole lives personally, not sharing as a group, but personally reflecting on the sins and um, of the that started as my earliest memory, which went all the way back to probably when I was five, um, and really trying to, you didn't have to know as much as the numbers, as much as here are the sins that I've committed throughout my life, and giving that over to the priest in confession. Um, it, even in some cases, it might have been sins that you had already confessed, mm-hmm. which there were many, doesn't mm-hmm. it? But the idea of the general confession is to give you a reflection upon your life so that you know where you have sinned and then to give that over to Christ so that he can give you the total absolution and you walk away with such great sense of peace. And that's a general summary of it. It walks through your entire life. Right. Um, yeah, and- the- it's a really a beautiful event. I would encourage anybody to do it. Uh, and when you go to the confessional, tell the priest, hey, I, I'm here to give a general confession. Um, and they will, most really good priests will walk you right through it. Right. I think the only other thing I might add is that um, sometimes there's still things that trouble you, even though it's been confessed. It's still is burdening your heart. You know, Christ has Absolutely. forgiven you, but that's usually you not really forgiving yourself. And so right. um, and, and there, that's And most certainly it. there were things that I had confessed that I had already confessed in that general confession, but were things that had always troubled me. Um, and so it allowed me also to help forgive myself. Right. And to be a better husband and father, which um, is going to segue into one of my favorite topics, uh, um, Jay, you don't know this, but I am a fertility care practitioner as well. It's what I do for a living. And, oh, beautiful. Yeah. So I have the opportunity to work with young couples on healthy marriages. And so I kind of want to segue into that because I um, am more con- just so very devoted to healthy marriages, healthy choices in a marriage. And I would love to hear some of your take on uh, building um, healthy, holy marriages. I mean, to me, it's it, it begins... You know, when we're raising our teenagers on how to make good choices, et cetera. But if I'd let you go ahead and add to that. Sure. Well, I, you know, I believe that, you know, I'm blessed. I'm really, really very blessed um, to have the wife I have. Um, she, um, you know, there's a long story behind it, and we don't have the time for it, but um, she really came into my life at a time where I needed somebody in my life to keep me moving down the path. Um, and I think having a true deep love for your wife is something that grows over time. It doesn't diminish over time. And so we tell people all the time that, you know, the result of our marriage is only by the grace of God. And so if you have to reflect on that, you know, prayer together, 
um, not just prayer at meals, but saying the rosary together, saying the rosary together as a family, making sure we attend Mass. We had a great priest probably 20 years ago when we were really struggling in our marriage um, tell us, go to daily Mass together. If Jay mm-hmm. is in town, go to daily Mass together. So we've tried to make that habit, praying for each other. You know, I mean, she will text me and say, I really need prayers today, and I'll pray for her. I'll text her if I'm on the road, and I really need prayers today. And she will she will certainly pray for each other. And so I think a healthy foundation of a family begins with that healthy foundation of a marriage. And, and a marriage isn't, and, and this is just my personal view, it's not you're taking two imperfect people to bring into this perfect union, right? And so today, so many couples just give up when they struggle. And anybody who's been married, is, we've been married 32, almost 32 years, they would tell you there we've had some tremendous struggles in our marriage. Either, you know, we've lost, we've had a stillbirth and we've had some real struggles in our marriage just between the two of us. Um, and the strength, the long-term strength comes from working through those struggles. Yes. Uh, it builds such a strong foundation for our future and giving it over to God and praying for him to help us work through those struggles. I think that's, we can't, you can't, you just can't give up. It's, yeah. there were probably points in times where we looked at it and said we should give up, but we didn't, you know, um, we worked through it together. And, and today, 32 years later, we probably were probably at one of the best points we've ever been in our marriage. I agree. I just had my 31st actually. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. So I like to re- remind um, our listeners too, that uh, marriage is a sacrament of sacrifice you know, for the other and dying of self um, together and for Christ, but just making wise decisions. I think, you know, one of the, the wisest pieces of advice this is before I even came into the church. I'm a convert of uh, 28 years now, but um, when looking for solid marriage advice, you know, she said, always trust your decision to marry him. Like you, you put a lot of time and effort into making the decision to marry a person and then trust your decision, which I thought was very wise. Like don't second guess it. That is wise. Yeah. Don't second guess it, especially if you're going into it sacramentally and you're both trying to grow closer to Christ. Cause you just, I just can't imagine a marriage where you, Christ isn't the center of it. I just, I just can't imagine that. It would certainly make it much harder. I can't even you know, imagine. I think it would make it much harder. Right. And we're very thankful for our, for that sacrament. It, it really, without it, you know, it would have been much more difficult. Yeah, you know, Father without Ripper. Without that grace. Father Chad Ripperger says that you actually get a uh, another angel for your marriage, you know, <laughs> whenever you have the sacramental marriage. I thought, hey, I like that I idea. I love Father Chad. Yeah. He is. Such a beautiful holy priest, isn't he? And it's something I we've thoroughly enjoyed listening to him, being a part of that. But I do believe that marriage is a cornerstone. Um, there are many that say right now that the time that we are living in is kind of this third peril that um, evil and darkness is covering us more than ever has. I mean, of course, it's been quite some time in our society, but the main way that evil has infiltrated is through the family, through marriage and family. Of course, the scourge of abortion in our land is is the f- bad fruit from not paying attention to how precious the marriage uh, between a man and a woman really is. And 
So I just want to encourage our listeners to keep the faith when it comes to learning the right way to go into a sacramental marriage and staying in it as well. Choosing wisely is so important. And find a good find a good mentor couple. Somebody's mm. ten, fifteen years older than you that, that could that has a solid marriage that can help you through not necessarily counseling, but just gives a good example that's outside of the family that that you know, you can help bind to them through that friendship. And a good mentor couple is always very helpful. Wise advice. Yeah, I love getting to be part of marriage prep. Do whatever you can. There's more could be done with marriage prep. I really encourage uh, our young people, too, to get your hands on some good reading, you know, about being a holy spouse, finding a holy spouse. There's so much out there, too. Do your research. Shouldn't we all? I mean, God gave us a beautiful intellect to to go that direction and theology, the body. Woof. So good. <laughs> That's something you could read for the rest of your life and keep digging yeah. um, more and more into it. Yeah. I'm so thankful for that. You know, we would be remiss if we did not um, discuss in these last, Oh gosh, about eight minutes we have left in the show about being grateful and gratitude, um, especially this, this week before Thanksgiving I know that there's just so much in our world right now that seems that you know, hope is darkened, but we were talking about a little early in the show that uh, hope and gratitude are very closely linked. It truly is. It, that gratitude and that hope is what, you know, we've all met people who are very joyful in what they do. And when you, if you sit down and talk to them, you could tell that there's a, they're grateful for anything. You know, mm-hmm. and so I heard somebody one time say, which I thought was really good, is whenever, no matter what it is, begin thanking God in advance for whatever is coming. Mm-hmm. And that helps you. And, and I try to do that. Um, I'm not perfect at it, obviously. But um, I think just if we just start beginning thanking God in advance, you know, and even in these dark times, God, we're going to thank you in advance that this darkness has come to light. I mean, there is a lot to be said for this dark darkness to be hauled out into the light. You know, um, one of the things I tell people today, which help, I guess it helps kind of with gratitude is, you know, that the devil's undoing is his arrogance. And so our so response true. with humility and love and joy and gratitude to God is what ends up defeating that devil. So, you know, don't fall into despair because of all this darkness around us. I think we have to be thankful that it's being drug out into the light. And that has really helped me with all these things seeing going on around us is it's, it's simply God is allowing all this to come out into the light. Yes. It's not hiding in the darkness today. Right. It's out into the light. So that we should be really thankful for that because it allows us every day to make choices and we choose the light. And as long as we're choosing the light, we should be very should be grateful for even in these things that are coming out today. Right, you know, hope has a face, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. So yeah, I love that that the humility will defeat um, that darkness, and there is a lot of it, and you know, you'll know it by its bad fruits. But it, yeah, another good saying that I really like is a heart full of um, gratitude is a heart full of love. Absolutely. Another part of the gratitude. Christ is our center of love. And so if we have gratitude for him and him placing us in these times, then it it helps bring that love out. And other people see it. Yeah. And you know what? 
with uh, folks our age, just a little, get a little time on the on the planet. You can see how God has done these things. When something, your perfect example when we started off the show was how this seemingly really in true tragedy of the loss of your home and so much of everything you had. He opened that door. He showed you a new path. He's pulling you a new direction. So I've got this beautiful, a beautiful friend who looks at the mess of what our country is in, and she throws her head back and laughs and says, okay, Lord, how are you going to get us out of this one? Because she has a, a supernatural amount of gratitude and hope and knowing that Christ will work miracles through whatever he deems that we need for this given time. And he, you know, he will work miracles and he just needs us to trust him and to pray. We have to be praying and fasting. Yes. Um, and even that, that pang of hunger that we feel when we fast, we give that to God. And that, that in and of itself becomes a, a level of, allows us to be thankful, you know, um, and, and brings hope. It always brings hope. Well, you know, I want to pause a second with that thought too, Jay, because there's been lots of calling within the body of Christ for fasting for our country and our families right now. And so I think just discussing some of the simple ways people may say, may think of it as this big, overwhelming, no food, bread and water only fast. Well, that is one way to do it. But there's other ways to do it as well, like you just mentioned. And so I want to encourage our listeners that you could do something as simple. Like the way I first started fasting was from meat on Wednesdays and Fridays. That's how it started. So that was like a small thing mm-hmm. that I could do. Um, and I don't know, would you have some suggestions too about maybe the way that you pray and fast that is easy and doable? I just want to give practical guidelines for our listeners to start fasting. Yeah, I think just recognize... I'll tell you one of the things I do, just as simple as I have a serious sweet tooth. Love baked goods. I love candy. I mean, I have a serious sweet tooth. So um, just giving up sweets, it's something that's a sacrifice for me because if there's a cake or a piece of cookie or something out on the table or in the house, I'm probably going to grab it. So I have to remind myself not to do that. Um, Pick something like that. Um, Today, um, fasting from Facebook. Yes. might be something somebody could do because we have this addiction to our phone where we're constantly scrolling yeah. through Facebook and it Guilty. might also help us mm-hmm. to not fall into despair, right? To look and see what's out there. Um, so pick something like no TV. You know, I'm not a TV person, so I typically don't watch TV. So that really wouldn't be fasting for me. I just don't do it. I prefer to read. Okay, I have a um, good one. You- Here's a, here's a good Go one ahead. that I, I did for, the, you know, as soon as, I don't know if you follow CJ Truth on uh, on Twitter. He's a great warrior for Christ. Who's, he's the first one that was saying, oh, we need to be fasting. So I started doing that. I started drinking my coffee black. And, and believe me, I heavy whipping cream and honey. I mean, I just load up my coffee. And I said, I'm going to do this until the election's over. And I don't think it's quite over yet. So I'm still doing it. Still drinking my black coffee. Yeah. (laughs) So that's a simple thing. Yeah, that's a good one. And it's something that, because I mean, I drink my coffee every morning. So (laughs) going going to taking out, and we do heavy whipping cream and take out the the agave would be, that's a sacrifice. God knows what's in our heart. So we don't have to make, you know, St. Therese Therese of Lisieux said it's it's the little things. It's not the big things. Mm -hmm. It's the little things. 
that we do, and He knows our heart, and we, right. He knows if we're doing it for Him or if we're doing it for ourselves. Right. Um, and so He knows that. So it doesn't have to be big things um, that we give up. Right. Do you think of those things that you really just like feel kind of a little bit overly drawn to that you can <laughs> give up or cut back or things like that and interrupt in prayer? Because I just I really have this intuition that when we are sacrificing in prayer, you know, I just imagine our prayers being like the incense that rise to heaven is, is, is signified in the mass. But when you start to fast on, as well, it's like you're you're just a smokestack. It's like getting thicker and there's more of it. And God's hearing all of those things so much greater. So, yeah, that gratitude is just so important, the prayer, the fasting, um, being thankful because God can redeem any situation at any time, at any moment. And we should all be just on the edge of our seats, throwing our heads back, thinking, Lord, what are you going to do with us right now? Because we know that you love our nation. We are our one nation under God. I love it. I don't know about y'all at your parish, but we've been singing uh, some of the God bless America and things like that as our recessional hymns lately. Absolutely. We've we've sung that a few times. And I think, again, it comes back to gratitude. You know, God has placed us in the country where we are and, right. and, and the state and the city and the town and the family. And that's a we, we need to truly be thankful for it. There's there's no place. You know, Texas is such a great culture and I'm in Louisiana. Louisiana mm. is such a great culture. There's just no place like it, you know. Well, Jay, you can follow him at uh, Tubes Family on Twitter. And I'm so glad that you could come and talk about hope and joy and goodness. And until next time, thank you all very much. Bye-bye.